0: Previously, on Blurred Up. Well, looking to the future, I like that Mulan is seemingly taking a fresh approach to these remakes, more similar to how Favreau did The the Jungle Book. Right. Huh. well blurred up blurt up welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a bpov a black pov you can find us on facebook at blerdup we are on instagram at blerd period up and we are on twitter at blerd you find us on com. our partners great website full of wonderful content from a black cultural lens i'm your host brendan and i'm joined by my homie jade hi what's going on
1: Nothing much. <laughs>
0: We've been talking for several months now about just everything from music to, at this yeah. point now, Lovecraft Country is our big topic now. So I was like, "Bring it on! Let's 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 have a conversation." Let go. Let go. <laughs> so on today's show, we're going to review 2020's Mulan remake, the latest episode of Lovecraft Country. And I'm going to get everyone caught up on my black female author reading challenge that I set for myself in June. Before we get to that, I want to announce a milestone. As of this week, we have hit 4,000 listens across all platforms. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I want to sincerely thank our fans all over the world for tuning in and for sharing our content wherever you are. Please continue to do that. Please give us a review on your podcast service of choice. It really helps keep our name at the top of the blurred cast pile. And of course, you can email us with your fan questions at bu at blurred.com. I mentioned that email. I'm really sorry to the people that I haven't responded to yet. I'm not quite used to using that email handle so often, and it can't sync to my phone. But I'm getting better at checking it, and I have something really special to share with you all at the end of our show from a fan of ours, a very talented singer who reached out to us. So stay tuned. And without further ado. Let's start on Mulan.
1: I'm so excited. Are you? <laughs> Can't you hear my sincerity?
0: <laughs> Mulan. This is the latest Disney remake after the blockbuster 2019 with Aladdin and the Lion King. And Dumbo was in there, but it All bombed. iconic. It All bombed. iconic. it bombed. So, yeah.
1: I, I don't understand what that means. I, I feel they were iconic. Yeah.
0: No, they are iconic. i understand just saying, <laughs> block, um, box office-wise, Dumbo failed. No,
1: nope, I don't understand what you're saying. No, does not make sense. So sorry.
0: Anyway, <laughs> um, Mulan is, I don't know about you, but Mulan is my favorite Disney films. I'll Make a Man Out of You is one of my favorite Disney songs. With as the
2: coursing river, with
0: all the force
2: of a great typhoon, with all the strength of a raging Whoa! fire, mysterious
0: so get a little teary-eyed watching that, you know, you know, she, she climbed the pole.
1: Yeah, I'm partial to Atlantis, but I, I feel you on that. I feel you on that.: I've
0: never seen Atlantis.
1: What's happening? <laughs> Wait. You've never seen it. Like, it's ever? like
0: yeah, I think I think after I saw Toy Story 2, and yeah. was it 1999, I just stopped watching all animated films until inside out at the, the theater. Was so. that a conscious choice? I think so. I was like, you know, I was in that, like, I'm too old and cool for this stuff now. I'm grown. I mean, I watched anime, but I wasn't watching like Disney stuff like that.
1: Anime is like big boy.
0: Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, you know, Mulan's not a princess. She's a regular girl who becomes a badass with no superpowers. It's, it's to me a good character driven feminist story. And the LGBTQIA community really resonates with that movie as well. I think it hits on a number of layers. On my Lion King review, I said I was excited about this live action remake with no songs. they were, From what I understood, they were getting closer to the actual legend of Hua Mulan. For those who don't know, the movies are based on a real Chinese legend. Hua Mulan was a Chinese warrior woman who lived during the Northern and Southern dynasties, which was between 420 and 589 CE. And her story was told through the Ballad of Mulan. Side note, do you know about the different versions of her character?
1: I did read something about that. Like, it's just like, I think in one story, she, first of all, her name changes, okay. I, I, I heard. And then I think also the story, for the most part, she stayed in the army for quite a long time until like, it was like age of retirement. And then she was like, okay, I'm going to go home and heads up, I'm a girl. And then, <laughs> so I think that's the version of the story that I know.
0: Yeah, there's there's a number of them. I think it got changed several times. Mm. There's one that's really dark uh, where the emperor is killed and instead of being forced into being a concubine, Mulan kills herself. Heavy. Yeah, Dizzy's not showing that version.
1: <laughs> no, but that would have been lit though.
0: <laughs> did you know that she has a crater named after her on Venus?
1: I did know that. <laughs>
0: Blurs. <laughs> anyway, because of the Rona... The movie has been delayed, and we finally heard news that Disney was going to put it on Disney Plus for $30.
1: <laughs> the insult.
0: Uh, Well, you know, because it's a family movie, Disney figured that households would pay that money to share the experience in their homes. It's a risky gamble, but the film costs $200 million to make. So you have to be creative in this chaos to kind of recoup on that investment.
1: No. I, I rebuke that. I'm sorry. I just like, I hear what you're saying, but also I just feel like it is Corona. Uh, so a lot of families, maybe, I don't know everybody's situation, but people are having their struggles. Mm-hmm. And some people like me um, have streaming services. One of those is Disney+. Plus, So, I mean, they didn't do that with Hamilton. They didn't do that with Black is King. They didn't do... Like, it was just released on the platform for people to watch, for people to enjoy. And Mulan, I... Well, I guess we can get all into the, the logistics of how the money was spent. But I just feel... I'm, I, I Choices.
0: Okay, no, you, so. you're totally right. You're totally right. Do you know how much Black is King cost? I do not. I want to learn that because it seemed like it was... Yeah. Pretty expensive, pretty pretty heavy. Okay. So, yeah, let's get into the review. This movie is a deviation from the 1998 animated film, but the spoilers are pretty negligible here. So, this review will include them, so keep that in mind if you really want to go into this without knowing anything. So, yeah, beyond the general movie review, I think there are key questions. Number one, what are the key differences between this and the animated film? Is there really no mysticism in it at all? Is there really no romance? And how does it hold up to the original? Before I start on the story beats, there's one thing that was jarring for me from the beginning that took some getting used to. So the, the movie opens up, you hear the traditional music, the camera pans across a field to some traditional-looking housing structures, you see Chinese people going about their daily lives, and then they start speaking English.
1: <laughs> that tripped me out. <laughs> so, for as I said previously, I was not expecting to spend $30. And um, I personally didn't plan on spending $30 because I knew of the controversy surrounding the lead who plays Mulan and her affection for the Hong Kong police. Mm. Um, So I uh, decided to be Captain Hook on this one and (laughs) um, (laughs) took a turn on the interwebs and watched it myself. And where I watched it, um, it said something about English subs. And I'm like, oh my God, there's English subs because they must be speaking in like Mandarin or Chinese or Cantonese. This is lit. I'm excited. And as soon as they start talking, I'm like, wait, what's happening?
0: Right. (laughs) I mean, it's technically an American film, but it took me about 10 or so minutes to let that really sink in to me. I mean, it's like imagine if China produced a movie about Harriet Tubman and in the camera pans to a southern plantation and black people are out in the fields and then they just start speaking mandarin. You know, it's like wouldn't oh. that take you out the movie a you bit, out. you know? I guess it was easier to accept it and the previous film because it was a cartoon. Hmm. And there are a couple things that are easier to accept that we'll get to because it was a cartoon. Mm.
1: And I also feel that with the fact that as soon as the movie starts, we do see that the characters are speaking English. I just feel that that kind of was just letting us know at the very beginning, hey, this is Hollywood's interpretation of Mulan's story and Chinese culture. So this is our vision so i know that you guys wanted authenticity that's cute but we're not giving that to you
0: much more on that later (laughs) (laughs) oh show. but yeah this well first you know let's get to some some good parts this this movie starts off pretty cool and it tells you from the jump this ain't your mama's mulan as a child she's already a badass you don't watch naruto do you no okay it's okay (laughs) for the folks who do she's she's kind of like sasuke's daughter uh, Sarada she's just just badass. She's climbing roofs like that no one else would climb. She's falling off and doing these superhero landings. She's pretty much doing Spider Man shit, yeah. really. But what mystifies me is that the village just looks at her like, "What a loser!" And it's like this: there's no amazement or concern for her safety when she she falls or lands. This the theme of gender roles felt forced to me, about on the level of Aladdin last year.
1: Yeah, it was very much for me, just kind of at that point. Just to see the reaction to the small Mulan, it was like, the villagers were kind of on a, oh, there's that Mulan again, doing her parkour. That loser.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, here's here's this (laughs) elementary school student, you know, doing parkour off her high ass roofs. Oh my
1: gosh, she just flipped and like, landed perfectly. Oh my gosh.
0: God, what a loser. She brings dishonor Uh, to us all. Her
1: horrible parents. I'm like, (laughs) wait, what's going on right now? Right. (laughs)
0: Luckily what I like more about this film compared to the original is her dad, played by Zima. Like in the animated film, he's a war hero, but there's never a mention of whether he trained Mulan or how she got her abilities, but he's very proud of what she does. Right. Which is different from the previous film where he just seemed kinda you really need to just uphold tradition.
1: Right. She was a nuisance in the original. Right.
0: He doesn't doesn't really say that he trained her. It just he just says her chi is strong, which oh, we'll come back to a little later on. <laughs> But yeah, it's like, it's as if we are being led to believe that Mulan is just born with these incredible martial arts abilities, which is just really stupid.
1: The magic Asian. I just, uh, yeah, let's get back to that.
0: (laughs) If y'all thought Ray Palpatine was a Mary Sue, she ain't got shit on Mulan. I think the beginning really needed more development in order to kind of better understand that father-daughter dynamic. Because I think there's just, there's a lot more nuance in this film than the previous one.
1: I agree with that because it was very apparent that she was very much a daddy's girl, which you also got the sense in the original. But um, I feel with this one, that was really a a chance for them to kind of elaborate, give us some more reading between the lines. Mm. But this was very much kind of like he seems as if he's proud of her, but he's annoyed with her. And they're not really chatting about like how she has this these abilities and i'm just very yeah it it was a missed opportunity definitely
0: yeah there were sprinkles of of interesting story there like he he really in the beginning it felt like how i would raise my own daughter mm. to be a badass and be proud of her but the way that society acted around him made him sometimes just kind of mm. conform and ask her to ultimately pack away that gift mm. to bring honor to the family that's a great story it's a great idea. It's just wish they really did more with that. And it showed that patriarchy doesn't just affect the women. It affects the men who also want to uplift women, even if it's their own family. Yeah,
1: that's essentially the feminist, um, I don't want to say argument, but uh, that's the foundation of it. When people say, like, what does feminism mean? It essentially means equality so that women can be strong, but also men can be softer as well. Um, so it just means that everybody can walk in their truth in that sense.
0: Yeah. I think more time spent with them before the big change would have been more impactful to the story. And this becomes a pattern throughout the film of having a great idea, but undercooking it just to rush the story along for other plot elements that we don't need. execution. Yeah. Another example of undercooking is when Mulan leaves the house for the military. In the animated film, she watches her parents as they sleep, and she lights the incense, and she cuts her hair. And with that music, it's a very powerful scene, especially because she wasn't a fighter at that point. With this remake... Mulan just pulls out the sword and it just transitions to her in the armor and she's out. They gave more time to showing how difficult it must have been to travel alone to the training grounds, which was different from the animated film. It added something, but I would have rather seen more time given to her departure because it's one of the most important choices in the story. I agree. Before we get to the other characters and plot points, I have another issue. She does not look... Or sound like a man, ever. <laughs> and I know there are some LGBTQIA folks listening to our show. I'm saying this in the traditional, classic sense of the word.
1: The society, the accepted um, yes. terms that society sees.
0: That, that's great, great wording. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I don't want folks coming at me. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, from the jump, how could you not suspect that she's a woman? I was talking to you earlier that Animaniacs recurring sketch, Chicken Boo.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go home and watch that now. <laughs> Cause you're not
0: a man, you're a chicken, chicken. boo. <laughs> it's like this this big ass chicken's just you know trying to be a actor, and everyone's like, oh man, he's amazing. He's silent and just it's all all that charisma. And this and there's this one dude on the set like what the fuck it's a fucking chicken are y'all crazy it's like that's me at the screen with this movie Mulan didn't cut her hair I mean she ties it up but she's clearly a woman in this suit it doesn't like you know even in the anime film she like puts padding in her her suit
1: she straps herself actually yeah yeah I
0: mean she does that she does bind herself in this story too yeah but at least she pads herself to look a little bigger and she does a much better man voice in that movie, in this in this new movie, she barely tries. I think she did it for the first few lines, and then she just gave up.
1: For me personally, watching that, um, I feel that when it comes to having like the deeper, like testosterone-filled voice, I feel like that didn't necessarily. I feel like that was an acting issue, and that's just my personal opinion. Watching that, I just feel like as an actor, I felt like that's where it was very apparent that the girl who was playing Mulan was kind of green. And correct me, I could be wrong. Maybe she's done tons of Chinese films or tons of English-speaking films. I don't know. But just from watching it, I felt she just looked very green, especially with those scenes where she has to put on this very like, oh, I am a man and I'm talking like this. And it was, <laughs> it was very, with the original, it was very comedic. Um, And I wouldn't say necessarily realistic, but it was better compared to 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 what we witnessed for me personally, when it came to um, Mulan trying to uh, enter this military regiment as a man, what was jarring for me was for the original. You did see that transformation. You did see like the the saying goodbye to the family and the cutting of the hair and the binding and putting everything on and going. Um, and you saw that, but with this one, it, it just it, it it just didn't work.
0: No, <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> so we said before, there's some things that are easier to accept, and I think it was easier to accept Mulan as a man in the animation. The original voice actress uh, Ming Wen, had a better voice, as we said. Um, plus the character designers made it a little easier to see Mulan as a man. They could had a little more liberty to kind of make her a little more androgynous when they designed her. As you said, this movie just didn't click. They put dirt on her face for most of the movie to try to hide it, but yeah. she just looked like a dirty woman.
1: Yeah, I feel for me, like, my issue wasn't the fact that, like, oh, uh, Mulan's voice doesn't sound realistic, or, like, the the hair was not cut. I think for me, it just, everything just felt very sloppy and just mm. poor, just throughout the whole entire movie, it was just poor execution. I felt like things could have been done way better if they had executed it properly. Oh, you totally And right. that, that, for me, was just uh, another place where they dropped the many balls within this movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, let's run down the list of supporting characters. So I completely forgot that Donnie Yen and Jet Li were in this film.
1: I didn't even know they were, so that says a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think when I first heard about the movie, I was excited about that. I totally forgot. So Donnie Yen caught me off guard. He's the commanding officer. He's not Shang, but he is the commanding officer, Mm -hmm. and he has a really cool entrance. Mm. Jet Li plays the emperor, and to be honest, he didn't have much to do, and he didn't sound like himself. Mm. It wasn't bad how he sounded. But he did nothing in this movie.
1: Yeah, And to be fair, when it comes to the other characters, even when it comes to the main characters, the movie for me was so bland, I didn't pay attention to anyone. Mm. To be fair, I feel like the the CGI phoenix had more of a pivotal role than many of the <laughs> secondary <laughs> characters in this film. So,
0: Before I forget about that phoenix, let's talk about it. The phoenix, <laughs> so we all know that Mushu, played by Eddie Murphy, was a big part of the... Iconic. Yes, which is awesome. This phoenix has no words; it really just flies around, and Mulan kind of just looks at it like she's on mushrooms because no one else can see it. It just flies around. That's literally all it does. It's just flying. Doesn't doesn't like doesn't help her. Yeah, it doesn't help her. It isn't like Lord of the Rings where it kind of flies her in somewhere or flies something to her. It just flies around. Doesn't guide her. No. Well, does, it, it guided her once. Where? Out of the <laughs> out of the mountains to the training grounds.
1: Was it guiding her or was it just flying around because it's a phoenix?
0: I mean... (laughs) I mean, the movie is not really good at (laughs) explaining those things. But anyway, Mulan's fellow soldiers were a big part of the animated film. And they aren't represented well here, in my opinion. The original film had characters of different personalities and and appearances. You know, the short but tough Yao uh, with a distinct voice from Harvey Fierstein, the large and peaceful Qian Po and the slimmer Ling. In this new film, the characters are largely the same yeah. looking.
1: Except Cricket, who replaces the actual Cricket. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no real animosity between them like Mulan and the uh, the 1998 film. They're just training buddies. And they do bond, but it doesn't feel as earned right. as the original film. And
1: I feel, even with the whole, there was like a tiny bit of animosity at the beginning. And even in that sense, for me, that's where, again... Uh, the wording of the script was very much—I uh, don't have any examples offhand—but it was very much like, uh, "I will, I will kill you with my blade if you speak to me this way." And it was,
0: it was. <laughs> well, the first animosity is like Mulan actually starts it, mm. and that's she aims mm. that at Yosan An, who plays Hongui, and he's kind of the replacement for Shang mm. as a kind of love interest he's far less problematic than shang who left mulan to dying in the cold because she lied about being a man like dude you want to marry him now come on but anyway this new guy he's cool with her the whole time when she reveals herself he's cool too i mean he's a handsome guy handsome guy i had no problem with him how about how about you
1: i didn't have any problems with him either i felt just the i i didn't understand his purpose just overall he wasn't problematic in the sense like you said before however he didn't really serve a purpose because if he's not there as a romantic interest if he's not there as a close friend who she can confide in then how is he moving the story along he's just there to be there
0: absolutely correct again undercooked underdeveloped and they simply dropped it at the end at least Mulan invited Shang for dinner they didn't like have the scene like not every Disney hero needs to find romance, but okay. as you said, if you're not going to deliver on anything definitive, then give more time and development to the other relationships that matter.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> now, That's a great film.
0: <laughs> we, we, are, we are loving this. Now, let's get to the villains. So Bori Khan, the head hun, is played by Jason Scott Lee, who was Mowgli in the... Jungle Book in the 90s and the Bruce Lee biopic. It was heartwarming to see him again. He was actually the first Asian actor I was introduced to as a child.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I like him a lot. He just has these, these warm eyes and smile. Like even as a villain you could kind of just see like oh this, this guy's a nice guy. He still like a nice guy under all that hair and and dirt.
1: Yeah like you said villains and I'm like were they villains though?
0: Right. <laughs> well you know that's um. there's something that's very different from the original film is that This is a revenge motive, as opposed to just, I wanna destroy China. Mm. Conquer China. Yeah, conquer China, yes. The emperor killed his father. Mm. So there's the revenge aspect there. It doesn't really get a lot of meat to it, but, yeah. Again, good idea.
1: Poor execution.
0: You know, we could've thrown out a phoenix, and this handsome guy who does nothing, and, you know, but no, why not? A big thing that separates this film is that there's a mystical woman who aids the Huns, played by Kong Li? Am I pronouncing that right? I believe so. She wants to overthrow the current system and help establish a new one that accepts her for who she is.
1: She replaces the hawk in the original... Um, and in this film, she actually becomes. Does she become a hawk? Yes. I, okay. Because yes. I mean, I don't know birds.
0: Uh, hawk or eagle? I a mean, big I, bird.
1: Um, <laughs> that's what that was her.
0: A raptor. <laughs> right. A bird of prey. <laughs> yes. But yeah. She. She doesn't have to disguise herself among the Hans and is known as a powerful woman. But she learns that men ain't shit anywhere, and she still has to know her place. Facts. Yeah, she can she can shapeshift as as Jade said, but she chose just to be a woman and fight for acceptance on her own terms, which I respect. It, it's that could have been great juxtaposition with Mulan being accepted as an equal because they don't know that she's a woman, but of course, undercooked.
1: The movie is about Mulan, but I wanted more of the villain. Totally, I did not care about Mulan as soon as I learned more about uh, the the witch. Air quotes, the witch's um, story. I was like, so can I talk about her? Like, can you tell me more about her? I don't, totally, I don't care about anything else.
0: <laughs> totally. I mean, they eventually meet, but it's really mm. meaningless. Mm. I would have loved to have had more time with them discussing and having a battle of ideologies, like, you know, a, a T'Challa killmonger kind of, mm. we're both sides of the same coin. Mm. And really flesh that out.
1: Right. They touched on it, but they didn't really hit it on the mark.
0: Yeah. I mean, this theme of the movie is about acceptance. And not like Frozen, where Elsa learns to accept herself. But these two central women have already accepted and furthermore mastered themselves, really. But they want the world to accept them for who Mm -hmm. they are.
1: Now, one thing I did like when it came to the witch, there was one point where uh, she meets Mulan and they are fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when Mulan is still behaving as um, Junwei. Um, and... Uh, Wajun. Wajun, sorry, thank you. Um, and they are fighting and the witch is winning and she's explaining to Mulan, like, you you are not this Wajun that you're saying you are. The witch, of course, because she's a witch, knows that Mulan is actually, uh, identifies as a female. And... Um, Uh, she's telling Mulan, hey, you're not going to win this battle because you're not being truthful and you're not being honest and you're not walking in who you are. Um, I see that there is great strength in you. um, Strength being chi, the magical chi that all Asians have. Mm. Um, And uh, Mulan's chi is so strong, um, but it is diminishing because Mulan is not being honest. And I feel like that was a very great message for the movie. Um, not only just being like as a woman and being strong and uh, I am Roman, hear me roar, but that that was like the only like good part that I could say about the film because that really hit something that I felt was a great message, but they fumbled it again.
0: Totally, totally. I want to get a little bit to the the cinematography too, which I thought was inconsistent. There were there were some nice shots of the Chinese terrain. But sometimes it really felt like they were just acting in front of a green screen. Mm. And it took me out of the film sometimes. The switch can be jarring. And then I don't know how you felt about the actual fight scenes, but there were a lot of quick edits. That was a bit too much for me sometimes.
1: The fight scenes, the fight scenes for me felt very fake. And they felt fake in the sense of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but not well done. It mm. was very much the fight scenes were going in that direction, but it was not, I mean, if you're going to copy that film, please do it correctly. And they, they did not, there was a lot of like the jumping and the, it,
0: uh, so like Sid and tiger slouching dragon.
1: It, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, Comatose dragon. <laughs> it just was not <laughs> there.
0: No, no, it was not. Um, There are also some very silly logical issues, and as a self defense instructor, uh, at one point during the we're going to make a man out of you part, they train with real swords, but they're so close to each other that they almost maim and even kill each other. And it's like the, the training didn't allow for more distance or just practice weapons. Like if I'm not going to give a bunch of newbies live weapons in a tight space to start just swinging swords around. No,
1: no. So that's what they did in Ancient China. This <laughs> this film is realistic and that's what they did in Ancient China. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: it was That was silly. Yeah. Uh, there were two parts where Mulan has to cover a great distance and she does it really quick. Um, <laughs> one you may recall from the original film you all who were listening where she has to set off the avalanche. Mm. Now in this film... It's as if she teleports to the location because... The phoenix helped her. (laughs) And and the chi. No, but (laughs) she goes behind enemy lines from where her battalion was being attacked from. So kind of to help you visualize this, imagine in the original animated film, they're at the top of that mountain, right? Mm -hmm. And at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Imagine if Mulan starts running and there's a quick cut and it just cuts to her behind Mm -hmm. the Huns and she's all set up... Mm -hmm ready to attack. It made no sense. No sense whatsoever. The other scene at the end is where she chases Gong Li's character in eagle form through the imperial palace and even though obviously an eagle can fly far faster than humans can run, with quick cuts in this film, it shows Mulan keeping pace with her and without losing her breath, the sweating yes, this the the chi. Um but she covers an insane distance from the from the palace to another location in, like, no time. It was just ridiculous. Strong Chi, right? Super strong Chi. Fuck out of here. Okay. <laughs> At the very end, uh, Mina Nguyen, the original voice actress for Mulan, gets uh. a brief cameo. It
1: was was it brief? Was it brief? That's being kind.
0: That is being kind. <laughs> I learned, though, it's not quite her fault. Hmm. Apparently, the original plan was to have her as a potential mother-in-law during the matchmaker scene. hmm But that Conflicted with her shooting of Agents of Shield, so they had to give her a smaller role. See, so I, wanted I was, to hate I was at first, yeah, I was a f- at first really angry about it, and it and it kind of seemed in the movie that she also was upset. Mm. But like, like she, it was almost like May came off the set of Agents of Shield. You know, May has a kind of very like stoic, mm. whatever feel. Very, I mean, I I love her character, mm. but she's very straight on that show, and it felt like she just came off the set from Agents of Shield and just said, "Makeup on." Here's Mulan. I'm out. That literally was it. That's literally what she did.
1: If you blink, you miss it. Literally. Seriously.
0: <laughs> um, I don't want to go on too much longer. I'm going to give my closing thoughts, and then we'll move on to Lovecraft. But uh, it it feels like a movie that's a, like a dog chasing two rabbits, like a YA level of drama, and your standard Disney film with with the colorful phoenix. Mm. But to me, it feels on all levels. Like I'm not an Asian girl. I'm not a girl. I do teach Asian girls, <laughs> and I think they might like this, maybe. <laughs> However, I wanted I wanted this to be the Black Panther for them. Same. Something that hits them and everyone, something that evokes a deep sense of pride, something that really crosses racial and gender lines, but I don't think it reaches those heights whatsoever.
1: They weren't involved, so how could it be?
0: Ooh, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> So this gets two out of five Mooshu's for me.
1: Oh, that's so kind. I was going to give it one Phoenix. One Phoenix. (laughs) And a half of a Chi.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know what? Yeah. I take it back. I I give this one out of five Mooshu's.
1: I would never watch this Ever again. <laughs> Ever again.
0: I can't recommend this, even as a rental. or.
1: If I'm watching it, I'm high and drunk, and I'm cracking jokes.
0: <laughs> pretty much, yeah. That, that is one of those films where I would get a bunch of my like friends, Asian friends for sure, <laughs> and general. we're going to get drunk and roast the fuck out of this movie. Yeah. So with the main review out of the way, let me get to the title of this show, which is Mulan is the Get Out of Asian Films. Ooh, Chile. Oof. So let me explain. The director of this is Nikki... Caro, a white woman from New Zealand, and all four writers of this screenplay are also white. No. Even the costume designer is white. What? (laughs) So
2: let me play this clip from Get Out, which sums up my thoughts on this. You have ah! been chosen because of the physical advantages you've enjoyed your entire Wait. lifetime
1: with your I'm natural sorry. gifts and So you mean to tell me that the film Mulan could both mm-hmm. be part of something had no something, perfect. any kind of Asian representation behind the scenes.
0: There are probably some consultants.
1: Maybe some caterers.
0: <laughs> caterers?
1: <laughs> Maybe. So nobody.
0: I mean, a lot not, of clothes are made in Chinese China, so person, probably the clothes are made in China. A Japanese,
1: yes. a Korean, a Filipino, not even an Indian. Okay, thank you.
0: No. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's like, you know, we, we talked about John Boyega on the previous show. You know, you have white people writing for black and brown folks, and they just don't know what they're doing. They don't know our voice. Shiram on Twitter, and that's X-I-R-A-M, made a fantastic thread detailing the oh. historical inaccuracies Mm. of the movie. So let me read a few that I found interesting. In traditional Chinese medicine, qi is energy inside everyone. It isn't just reserved for men or warriors. Number two, the housing structure that Mulan lived in in this film is from southern China, and Mulan is from northern China.
1: That was very apparent.
0: Yeah. To be a witch or demonize as one wasn't regularly used to demonize women in Asian China. Number four. Chinese phoenixes are not associated with being able to rise from ashes. I didn't know that.
1: I didn't know that either.
0: I'm assuming the writers didn't know that either.
1: So at the very beginning of the story, lies.
0: Lies. <laughs> no oh, research.
1: All oh, lies. Hollywood film. How much did this cost?
0: 200 million dollars and they couldn't call
1: the good sis Google to find out about Chinese Phoenix <laughs>
0: like, number five the interpretations of the makeup when Mulan goes to the matchmaker were quite unsightly and the actual person who made this Twitter thread she shows a much better version of what is really done and it's actually kind of closer to the actual movie mm-hmm. the, the the animated film itself yeah. so yeah um, so that's that and then on the human rights side of things Jade already mentioned that the lead actress supports the Hong Kong police. And Disney filmed a large part of the film in Xinjiang. And for those who don't know what or where that is, it is a region where over a million Uyghurs who are predominantly Muslim people and other minorities are in at least eighty five concentration camps. Mm. It's just it's it's so ironic that we are that liberals are angry at trump mm. for detaining immigrants mm. but liberals made this film
1: mm.
0: in another country mm. specifically in a region mm. that is detaining racial minorities
1: yeah it kind of reminds me of uh uh and i may get like pushback for this but i feel that when it comes to problematic behavior um, white liberals um, and hipsters, they are the number one, like number one offenders. Um, I feel like it's always been that way. Uh, like, uh, because they have this um, feeling that because they are uh, so free thinking and they read a book and they saw that Twitter thread and I, I, I have a few black friends and yeah, I, I'm not being offensive. My intent was not to be offensive uh but they usually are the ones who con- con- continually put their foot in their mouth
0: yeah you you summed it up yeah so so yeah even even the director uh last year during the filming she shared a like an Instagram picture from the region and that already prompted a boycott from a lot of people so it's on all levels as a as a movie it's terrible historical inaccuracies and human rights like there's literally no reason to waste your time okay let's move on to lovecraft country whoop it was called the history of violence was the Mm -hmm. new episode first can we give it up for michael k williams i mean he went viola davis on us the snot saliva
1: these people are bleeding for you the acting (laughs) Uh, uh
0: That, that's not from Fences, it's probably the most iconic part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> <that's>... Was it? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's so much happening in that opening scene um, of the newest episode. Uh, there's the, the red scare talk in the background, foreshadowing events to come, destroy their stockpile. Mm-hmm. He's plagued with, you know, his own memories that we learn about, like how he raised Tick and maybe even how he was raised. Just really powerful acting for such a short scene like he went all out for us
1: yeah you know and it it very much makes it apparent this is a tortured man because I feel the second episode um, a viewer could maybe just assume that he's just a hard man Mm -hmm. you know that's just that hard black daddy from the south you know he'd been through some things and he just wants his son to be a man uh, but when you see this episode, you're like, no, he's been through it. Mm. So he is tortured. Something's going on. He's been through it. He's going through it. Yeah, yes.
0: For sure. Yeah, I just... As edited as that scene was, it was so quick. I wonder how long they actually filmed it mm. to get all that out. That is a good question. You know? Anyway, yeah. Then we're hit with the pop music again with Bitch Better Have My Money. I I hate this.
1: I was going to ask how you feel about it because I... Love it
0: <laughs> really,
1: yeah. I, I, I love it. In hmm, okay. So, in this episode, I didn't like the bitch, but I feel like there could have been a better choice for that. Mm-hmm. And I realized that hey, everybody makes mistakes because I think in the last episode where Letty is smashing in the uh car windows, mm-hmm. the original um song they chose was Beyonce's Hold Up mm-hmm. from Lemonade. But then they said nah. And they flipped it and did the uh gospel song. Mm-hmm. So I personally I I like the I, I like it because I think I heard uh oh what's her name? What's her name? Uh Tierra Whack in like the first uh episode. Ep- yes, yes. Yeah, I, I like I like it. I personally like it. There was Gil Scott Heron. I I, I love it. I think it's great.
0: I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh It's just like this this ain't insecure. Like so, we, we don't need a hip soundtrack for this. Like it would whoa. be, to me, it would be more meaningful to dig for a song from that time that fits the mood. Because because we ha- we have to keep going from the pop to the orchestrated music to the actual pop music from that time, and it's just it's jarring. It's I don't I don't like it.
1: Okay, so coming from a sound designer background. So full disclosure, my first degree. Uh, was theater performance and uh, as an actor you learned that actors are a dime a dozen so pick up another trade so I learned sound design and costume design so as a sound designer I understand why they're making those choices because if they were to only use songs from that time period it would become a period piece and we don't want it to be a period piece we want you to know that this is still happening now this is still relevant now so we are going to throw in songs right now because it does still go with it these lyrics still hit it still <laughs> speaks to the time <laughs> but again these are choices and that also comes to the director because one director can say yeah i like the pop and another director can be like actually i really want to hear something from that period
0: it is an it is an artistic choice yeah it's you know obviously it's not killing this this show for me but yeah. every time <laughs>
1: it jars you it, it just takes, takes you me out,
0: out. cuz it's like michael <laughs> Williams is like Snodding and spitting out on, on on his chest, and there's like red scare stuff. It's yeah. like really, I'm really in this time period, and then Beyonce, give me what you. Oh man, I'm like, come oh, really? on, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm like,
1: come on, man. I, yeah, no, I didn't like, I per- I didn't like that choice, okay. Personally,
0: okay. You know, and then there was there were two other times where um, there was the transition scene when Letty goes to the library with the rap song, and then Ruby goes to Marshall Field and Co. And I'm like, these are such small scenes. Just play a regular song or just orchestrate it. Like, this is not that serious. But it
1: becomes back in the day when Mammy and Daddy...
0: But it's M- <laughs> Mammy and Daddy with these crazy-ass monsters and, and witches. Like, it's, yeah. it's, and this us is, with these crazy-ass monsters and witches. It's obviously <laughs> fantasy. There are no witches today. What are you talking yes, about? Yes, they
1: are. Their names are Karen, Becky. And-
0: <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, Letty continues to be a force on this show. Mm. Sometimes... Especially like in classical TV, you think, "Oh, this character, usually a woman, got a nice standalone episode for herself." But this show has shown that no Letty is here to stay, mm-hmm. and she's at this point my favorite character in the show.
1: Oh, for ah, sure. Well, I love Hippolyta. Yes,
0: exactly. I was about to say that. Yeah, her, her, and her daughter. I, yeah. We're gonna get get there very soon, mm-hmm. but man, but yeah, Letty's awesome. Uh, at the very beginning, she's quick to catch on how she got the house. She got Montrose to join the team. Even though Tig didn't want her to come along, he put her out first on that dangerous beam, which was fucked up.
1: Can we talk about that? Please.
0: <laughs> because they they both concluded that your blood lo- will open the vault. So why is she going first?
1: Can we talk about that? Okay. <laughs> I was very much upset with that. And I couldn't figure out if it was just from a, a storyline standpoint or just from a very, like, being african like it just it irked me that they were like ladies first and she just went out on the
0: board I, I thought it was maybe like i i'm stronger so if you fall i can catch you from back here thing but i'm like just tired to a rock thank you like what are you doing bro i don't know what and then i mean she could have got sliced up from that that swing in his
1: father could have like done it i don't understand
0: i, I don't... was pretty pissed off about that i'm like how are you gonna i don't i don't want you involved in all this like that and then you know, it's all about me. But yeah. when it's time for, for for the danger. Yeah, they fumbled on that one. You go first. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck is, uh, Anyway. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I was, I was mad about that. But yeah, even if he's like, I'll catch you. Mm. If she falls from that beam and swings mm. from the beam to that cliff, that could have seriously injured her, yeah. if not killed her. Mm-hmm. So there's there was literally no point to yeah. that. But anyway, she was great. She she put Tick in his place. Mm-hmm. This ain't all about you.
1: Oh, that. Whoever wrote that portion it was like listen he was kidnapped i died <laughs> this is not about you sir okay totally
0: there are scenes like that that kind of it's it feels like it's bigger than the scene bigger than that show mm-hmm. it talk. you know we have you know black lives matter i had a friend i had to unfriend because he kind of made it all about black men or this this and this mm-hmm. and you have to know like bro this is not about this is not just your fight mm-hmm. and we can also or not we but women can also contribute mm-hmm. And do a lot. A lot.
1: Yeah. Trans people can contribute to do a lot. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Uh, She shut down Tree and that was nice. (laughs) That was cute. That was cute. (laughs) You know, the whole not everything's about you, it seems like she and Christina are on the opposite side of the same coin here. How so? You know, Christina is kind of, the white woman is kind of bucking against the man's club Mm. and then Letty's trying to position herself as a strong person and Chick trying to kind of hold her back mm-hmm. too. So I thought that was really cool.
1: Okay, I do see that.
0: <laughs> Let's get to uh, Hippolyta and her daughter. So oh, once wow. again, I'm just, I'm in love with how they push the rich traditional pursuit of an exchange of knowledge mm-hmm. in black culture. I think many are still under the impression that being a blurred is a new thing. and Maybe the mm-hmm. term is more recent mm-hmm. but not the history. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Hippolyta, uh, played by Anjanua Ellis. I hope I'm not butchering that name.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, she talks to her own father mm-hmm. about space, and it's so heartwarming. Yeah. Um, it makes you want a daughter.
1: But I feel like, as you were saying earlier, just about this um, uh, idea that black people are just now reading books and just now into space and uh, martial arts and anime, um, I feel that's a purposeful rewriting of history very much so where it's like we don't read, we don't write, we aren't interested in science or math or things that are deemed white people things. Mm-hmm. Um it's a it's a very conscious rewriting of history and then also putting that stigma back on the black community to make um those of us who do like nerdy things feel inferior because totally. it's like or even things that it's not R&B it's rock music it's mm-hmm. not uh it's not hip hop it's electronic like oh that's weird like it's very much purposeful
0: totally totally yeah it's 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 beautiful to see that kind of representation on screen especially with the daughter um she's passing that on to her daughter and she has pride in her mother it's beautiful to see that there was more to black people during segregation than pain you can have someone as iconic as Emmett Till, and Hippolyta's brilliance in the same space. Um, but what a gut punch! I thought he was gone, no. but he's still there. Mm-hmm. It's it's like uh, it's sad to, to see such a bright boy mm-hmm. and know that his fate is sealed.
1: Yeah. But also remind the viewers at home he was fourteen.
0: Yeah, I like the foreshadowing for the end of the episode when Hippolyta was trying to solve the mystery. Of the Ori, and the guy said, Every lock thing has its key, mm-hmm. and you, you'll find it. And I guess that's the Ori from Hiram's house. It is. Yeah.
1: I, I'm, I'm still confused as how she got it out. But Same. Without anybody noticing, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Let's go. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and, uh, as opposed to Milan, if something doesn't work, I'm like, <laughs> It won't work. But this one, I'm like, eh, I'll allow it. I'm going to go with it. I'll
0: allow it. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about the revelation that Montrose might be gay? And moreover, how do you feel about Tick's reaction to that?
1: I So for the first part, the revelation that he might be gay, I felt it answered, I felt like it could answer many questions. Um, Just in the sense of his relationship with his brother, his relationship with his wife, his relationship with himself. His father too. Right, his father. It makes a lot of sense if he is closeted. Mm. A, A black man during Jim Crow is closeted. Makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, Tick's reaction to it, I feel it is understandable for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as we, somebody may want to get upset, like, that's your dad, accept him as he is. You know what? That's right. But um, everybody takes their time to figure things out. And I felt his reaction wasn't abrasive in a sense, but it was very jarring. And which makes sense. It it can be jarring to find this out. And you about uh, your father, um, but I guess we'll see his true reaction as the episodes proceed. So for his reaction, I just I was like, okay, I understand. I wouldn't act that way, but sure. I got you.
0: <laughs> I just think the that kind of intergenerational trauma mm. was really well done. You know, Watchmen had a whole episode dedicated to that. Mm. This is, I think, a little more easier to follow. Your grandfather beating your possibly like more feminine son, and then he beats you. Mm. That's just sad. Um,
1: History of violence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So at this point, we can assume that Christina and William are the same person?
1: Yeah, I feel they are. So I am the type who likes spoilers to an extent. Um, And so I like to also watch reviews of things after like I watch an episode um, just to see if maybe there's things I missed mm-hmm. um, and also if there's something to look forward to mm-hmm. and I did not know that this was an ongoing theory that Christina and William were the same person and so and I realized that At this episode when Christina is leaving somewhere. I don't know where. I think it was after seeing the sheriff.
0: Yeah, she comes home.
1: Yeah, she comes home. And the way it was filmed makes you think they're the same person Mm -hmm. because she goes in. William immediately comes out. And then you start to think back like, oh, well, when we see her, she always does have something really buttoned up at the top. And yeah, so maybe. And they're never together. We've never seen them together. So, yeah, they might be the same person. True. and Which would make sense because it allows her to move in spaces that she was not allowed, specifically the Sons of Adam.
0: Try True. True, true. Let's get to that scene with Ruby, though. Okay. All right. You can take the lead on this one if you wish.
1: Do you want me to? Because I... Oh, please, please. No, I mean... Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I just... You know, the Marilyn Manson, again, I don't need this.
1: I loved
0: it. I mean, I like... I love (laughs) Marilyn Manson. I don't need it in this... Show It just feels like that changed a, a show of this caliber to like a CW show to me.
1: <laughs> I see that. You know what I'm
0: saying? <laughs> like it's supposed to be rooted in the 50s. You can't tell me there are no you put a spell on me songs from that era. Come on now. N- nothing. Anyway.
1: Because it needs to be dirtier.
0: How problematic was that sex scene though? He gets her drunk and then probably casts a spell on her to make her have sex with him. It's just, it was just, just wrong.
1: I didn't feel that he cast a spell on her. I, not, not in the literal sense. Okay. Because um, we do know that Christina and maybe William um, are able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what was problematic for me about the scene is just the fact that, yes, she is drunk. She's also gone to his house. You don't know this white man. I don't know the exact, what was it, 1955, 1956? I don't know the year. But just for me, even if it was 2020 danger is is going off in my head so the fact that but again she's drunk so that was just for me i'm just screaming at the screen like can we not do this and then
0: he's like sucking her blood <laughs> there's a theory that that for
1: me was like run please run
0: there's a theory that he was casting a spell by mm-hmm. taking her blood and kind of changing it within himself and putting it back into her no job. so that That's could a be lot. that yeah it's like it could be something to think about going forward. Um, let's move on a little bit, though. I really dug the adventure aspect of this episode, from the maps, uh, the booby traps, the mysticism. It's like every episode is a new genre, mm. you know? The beam scene was obviously shot on a green screen, but just like Mulan, there's some things that didn't work there. Yep. This, this worked for me. <laughs> the acting sells it, really.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, I like Montrose and Tick's Bonnie moment over making up with Letty. It's like mm. find a love song for your partner. That's do you have any cute. Do you have any, any love songs for your former... Dating partners. Oh, I've partners. never been
1: in love. <gasps> yeah. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like I have love songs for my old girlfriends, dating partners, but they tend to be after we break up.
1: So what happens when, when you hear them? How do you feel when you hear them?
0: Oof. I remember, I mean, Green Eyes was a, was a big song for me Eric when Quedic? I first heard it. Oh, yeah. Ooh. But then once I broke up with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. you know, back in college... So you can't hear it? I can, but mm-hmm. it, it, it fucks me up. Really? It fucks me up. And yeah, I definitely, for my most recent acts, that that song definitely hits hard. I played that many times last year. Really? Fucked fuck me up pretty, pretty bad.
1: I don't know this. Anyway, it sounds brutal.
0: <laughs> it, it is brutal. It's hard to hear. Anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> anyway, once they reach the vault, I think that took the show to a new level. You know, mm-hmm. the transformation of the Arawak person was was terrifying in itself. Again, the acting really sold it because the transformation was very slow. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of watching the CG thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm guessing they, they may have the actual... Actor. Yes, do it. But the Native American who is intersex on a black show, like what a time for TV. I
1: think they're Indo-Caribbean. Okay. Like, because... Arawak is from the Caribbean.
0: Okay, I'm tripping. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you.
1: And also, yeah, because he went to Guyana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: You're right. You're very right. But yeah, what a time for TV.
1: Mm.
0: Um, their story about what Titus did was heartbreaking. Uh, the acting was again really strong with Tick's apology. Remember when he was you know very sad about over Uncle George's death? I was really mm. strong. And then with this apology, you really felt like he really, really felt bad about this. Mm. And then refusing to help Tick. Again, I feel like this is kind of bigger than the scene, bigger than the show. Uh, the struggle of Native Americans and black people are not the same.
1: Mm. I also feel like when it comes to Montrose, just that struggle of wanting to protect his family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, It's very apparent that he's even struggling with that because the way he's going about it with like not telling them about the book. Mm. And... Uh, Having in for like going to the library and reading all these books before they even got there, so he he definitely it's very obvious he knows more than he's letting on true, but it's also that conflict again inside him of like i'm trying to protect my family, but I have to lie to them i'm trying to protect myself, but I have to be quiet it's it's very it's just there's so many layers to their acting that I just really enjoy watching
0: I' think it's cool that Montrose isn't just a a hard brute, you know sometimes exactly. they portray angry black men, mm-hmm. violent black men, it's just these ignorant brutes, but he's mm-hmm. actually very well-read. Exactly. I, I like that whole, that whole family dynamic of mm-hmm. being educated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I thought the, the Arawak scene was probably the most powerful part of yeah, the episode was. for me.
1: A history of violence. It just kept, like
0: with mm. everything, yes. it just kept repeating. Yes. And then at the end, Montrose and Tick's bonding was very sweet, and then my man had to fuck it up.
1: That was slightly problematic for me
0: slightly uh,
1: yeah i it was, uh, it was uh, because i say slightly because i un- again i understand what, where the character was coming from with that i understand why the character was doing the action however it just comes back to another brown body his uh, it, it yeah it, it fucked with me
0: let me step over you to to achieve our goals
1: Right. Cause, it's Because j- oh. yeah, going oh. back,
0: you know, our subjugation is not the same. And mm. indeed, black people have benefited from the subjugation of and the slaughter of Native American people. We all have privilege. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, apparently this is deviating from the book, uh, Like Walking Dead, which is going to be canceled after the 11th season. Just side note. So, yeah, I'm very excited where this is going to go.
1: Walking Dead is still in the air.
0: It's still in the air.
1: I'm so sorry. I've never seen it. Don't stone me. I'm sorry. It's, it's
0: good. I mean, it has. it's not perfect, but it, it, I, I enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I'm a scary hoe. I don't watch scary things. I only watch scary things if it's like at the helm, like a black person's at the helm. Okay, so well, hence why I'm watching. Michonne's awesome. Yeah, she's
0: a strong black character in the show, mm. and so she's she's great. Is
1: she still alive? Yeah. Okay, let me. She's me watch the leader
0: it. of the of the troop now.
1: Okay, let me watch it.
0: Yeah. All right, so we're really running short on time. Let me get to the two books that I've read for my Black Female Author Challenge. Still, still going strong. The first book I read in July or it started in June, finished in July, was The Bluest Eye. This is the first novel written by Toni Morrison, published in 1970. It's set in 1941. It's about a girl named Piccola who develops an inferiority complex because of her dark skin. She then begins to hate herself, coveting blue eyes, because all around her she's bombarded with imagery uh, and society that tells her that she's not good enough. And the concept is very real and depressing. It's a very heavy book. I literally live in the plastic surgery capital of South Korea and going on the bus or a train. I mean, we, we came here together. And, you know, men and women are constantly, especially women, are constantly hit with ads telling them that they aren't enough. I read part of this book 10 years ago and actually discussed it with my high school students. At that time, after the first semester, a few of my first year students had gotten surgery on their eyes and noses at the age of 14. Their own mothers encouraged them to do it. And it really broke my heart that even their mothers couldn't accept them for who they were. But I had a few girls who bucked that trend. Uh, They didn't hem their skirts up or make them tight like the rest of their classmates. And we discussed the themes in this book. And that's one of my greatest memories as a teacher to date. You said you haven't read this in a long time.
1: Well, yeah, when I read it, um, I was younger. And actually, I feel it... uh, I want, to, I want to read it again because mm-hmm. when I did read it when I was younger, I just remember it being very heavy, mm-hmm. but also me not being able to understand mm-hmm. where the main character was coming from because growing up in the household that I grew up in, it was very, it was the complete opposite of what she was experiencing. Like I didn't hear like you're cute for a black or you're cute for a dark skinned girl until I got to college in Miami like the like the guy color struck is not the word
0: and where are you so, from originally? So, first, you? so
1: I'm I grew up in Miami and then we moved to North Carolina and then I went back to school in Miami mm-hmm. And so, like, when I went to college and started, like, actually dating. Because, again, I'm African, so we don't date. Um, so <laughs> well, what part Africa are you from? My family's from Liberia, West okay. Africa. <laughs> so, um, dating, what is that? Uh, <laughs> study your book. So, <laughs> I, um, when, I started I dating, <laughs> when I started dating in college, uh, that's when I was like, oh, this is, like, a thing? Like, oh, we're running after light-skinned girls? I didn't, oh, is that, that's what's cool? Oh, I didn't, because I was, was told I was pretty, which what like why are you wearing contacts friend why are you like that was it was very college for me was very jarring interesting yeah it was very a new experience and that was also the first time i like rebelled so that's when i changed my major from business to theater Mm. um that was your parents
0: were thrilled
1: don't guys don't cheer i changed it back to business sorry Um, (laughs) couldn't do it (laughs) yeah so uh, for me reading it when i was younger it I didn't really resonate with it, unfortunately. So, yeah, I think I want to read it again.
0: Yeah. I found it particular in this book. It it largely stays away from telling the story from Pecola's perspective. We see her through the eyes of her friends, her parents, the town. And at the end, there's some religious leader who... The book kind of stays with him and his pedophilia thoughts, which I really just... Uh, it was really uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. We only see through her eyes once she has essentially lost her mind and the craziness of the world. And when I first finished the book, I didn't really like it. I really wanted to get inside of her head instead of the others, but maybe that's the point, that no one really knew her or wanted to get to know her, this dark-skinned girl, and they projected all their negativity on her. I didn't realize until the end of the book that the hook for thieves in the night from Black
2: Star comes from this book. Mm. And I'll play that clip really quick, and we'll come back.
0: It's one of the,
2: the more, more powerful quotes from the brave. book. There's another
0: great the scene where they're the at a the the funeral and the father remarks on, on these older ladies like who have finally achieved true, true freedom because they don't funny. have to work for the white man and take his orders, and they don't have to take orders from their husband, and they're just free to be themselves finally. And it's powerful that only at old age can you really be free to really express yourself and be yourself mm. anyway i had a little, i had some issues with the pacing i thought she kind of uh tony morrison kind of stays on certain moments for a long time where i kind of had to just skip past the imagery mm. and just get to the actual point mm. um but overall the the themes and narratives are very important and for black men, this is definitely a, a must read oh, sure. my last book is freedom is a constant struggle and this is a collection of speeches, essays, and interviews from Angela Davis connecting the movement for Black liberation and ending police violence at home to movements abroad. And she advocates for more compassion and solidarity among those movements. I've posted about Palestine or ICE and some Black groups before, and there's been kind of pushback, like, we have our own problems. They can take care of themselves. And that's a really problematic approach to social justice. Um you know, American cops train with Israeli soldiers, for example. It's all connected, really. We give our our weapons to those places. Our military surplus comes back home. You
1: don't want refugees, stop making them.
0: Right. Exactly. Totally. She also talks about how even though, you know, Barack Obama was problematic, to say it lightly, she doesn't downplay the importance of electing a black president. And she isn't too idealistic about both parties just being the exact same. And, you know, a number of leftists, especially during The last two elections have been like, you know, it doesn't matter. They're all the same. You know, I'm not going to vote. But there are definitely differences. And she spells them out. And even now, she doesn't like Joe Biden at all, but advocates for us to get Trump out. But as a Marxist, she doesn't put all of her eggs in that voting basket. And, you know, I wonder now, you know, we kind of lionized King but King was anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, uh, democratic socialist. I wonder she's been kind of pushed to, to the side. I, you know, you know, we always try to have, you know, CNN always tries to have certain people on their show. Mm-hmm. If King really or Malcolm really got a chance to really live and even get even maybe even further radical mm-hmm. in their ideology, would they be pushed to the side like she has been now? Anyway, this book is very accessible for those who are looking to kind of sink their teeth into activism and understanding, uh, global struggles, and even struggles back at home. So yeah, uh, check that out. And I plan to start reading uh, Bell Hooks this month. I forgot which book it is. I have a couple of them, but yeah, I'll get get on that soon. On the note of trusting, supporting, and uplifting black women, uh, we're going to end the show on a song from Brittany Campbell, who is a fan, and she reached out to us to share her latest song. Brittany Campbell is an award-winning singer, songwriter, producer, animator, and actress. Okay. okay, Right? She joined the Metropolitan Opera. She's been on Broadway stages. She released her debut album, Stay Gold, this year. You can find that on Bandcamp. She is also a self-taught animator and has animated her own videos, her own music videos, and the videos of other artists. You can actually see her in Spike Lee's She's Gotta Have It, and Master of None on Netflix. So the song that she has blessed us with is called Matter. And the video she did for herself is beautiful, too. You can find that on YouTube. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Jade. Where can they find you? Yay,
1: thanks for having me here. Um, so I'm aspiring DJ. So if you want to follow my Instagram and see any updates, you can find me at Jade, J-A-D-E, Chanel, that's C-H-A-U-N-E-L-L-E. And send me a message there and like my pics because I'm cute thank you bye
0: (laughs) of course uh, blurred up we're on uh, (laughs) on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D P-R-U-P we're on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P and we're on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D you us on Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts Spotify The Works please give us a subscribe and a share we really appreciate it thank you for listening again and peace
2: deep within there's a poisoning in our spirit, in our country, in our neighbors. garden country, our protectors when they see us, are we here, do we matter, I ask this on the day, I ask this for my baby, still out there in the morning. I ask this to our families Our mothers and our daddies Still out behaving badly We want to breathe again To our friends Shook and shuddered Scared to speak up Against the pedal so clear When you see us Are we here? Do we matter? I ask this on the daily I ask this from a baby